This program is sponsored by Wicked, Chronic, and Natick, Massachusetts. Located at 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9, they can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommerce.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. You need something for that special spell? Go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell them Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today. Welcome back to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the canceled TV series in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre. I'm your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Seneca. And tonight we are covering Witchblade, episodes three and four. And Mr. Seneca has the episode synopsis for us for the first of the two episodes. Yes. So, Witchblade, season one, episode three, Conundrum, originally aired June 19th, 2001. Sarah and Jake investigate when skeletal remains are found carefully posed in a downtown park. Using missing persons reports, they determine that the remains are those of Gina Maris, a model employed by Dominique Boucher. Slowly, Sarah begins to realize that the woman's death and Boucher are somehow related to the Witchblade. She is shocked when she interviews Karen Bronte, Gina's roommate, only to find a photo of a woman and a young child whom Karen claims is her mother and grandmother. The grandmother could be Sarah's identical twin, Irons informed Sarah that Dominique Boucher was a one-time processor of the Witchblade, and she, or one-time possessor of the Witchblade, <laughs> and she may want it back, and that Karen may be the next bloodline inheritor. The processor of the Witchblade, that was funny. Um, <laughs> I thought there was an either. <laughs> the possessor of the Witchblade, yeah. So you can't, so we learned pretty, uh, we learned in this episode that you cannot just possess the Witchblade. Yes, it will just totally wreck your body. Right. Um, and then when you die, it restores you to your youthful beautiness. But we'll get there in the second episode. Uh, <laughs> that was really weird. Uh, so we start with a photo shoot with a mechanical snake because Dominique has a thing for snakes. Um, I'm sure there's a metaphor for the penis here somewhere, but I digress. <laughs> well, you know, in the, in this episode, there's a lot of snake references there's Medusa references, there's uh, Adam and Eve references, like there's all sorts of references regarding snakes. And this mechanical black cobra that uh, the model basically, uh, you know, with uh, uh, Joystick, the, the operator strangles the model in a sense. She is desperate to get away from the snake just so that they could get the right shot. Um, basically abusing the model is there. But this snake, I thought this snake was really freaking cool. Multi, uh, you know, it, it had a tongue that's, that stuck out. It, the jaws opened on this mechanical snake. It was really cool. But it ends up being a weapon later in the episode. The actress who plays Dominique is played by uh, Layla Robbins, and she was recently on the blacklist uh, in, um, uh, for a number of episodes in 2019 as Katarina Rostova. Uh, I have not caught up on the blacklist to know who that character is. Um, the blacklist has got some really bad writing sometimes that just completely took me out of it. As much as I like the main actor who's in it, um, David Spade, Dave, uh, not David Spader, Dave, um, oh, James Spader, sorry. Ah. Yeah, great show, but really badly written sometimes that the characters are constantly turning around. Anyway. Uh, so then we have our hook, our hook man digging up a body while the photo shoot is going on. Um, and Ian calls Sarah to say, hey, a body's been dug up. Go find it. Because yeah, Ian can't help not be is... creepy and standing around doing stuff that is creepy all the oh freaking time. Oh, my God. Guy. He is so creepy. Who oh, Who he, is he, the hook man in this episode? What was his name? Uh, the hook man is John Sandsman. Okay. 
Uh, no IMDb photo for Will Cornell for this episode, but uh, he was a... He's still acting today. He was just recently in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, actually. Oh. Yeah, and we've got a few models, too, in this episode. Uh, are they real models? Are they, are, they, are they models for... Well, they... the models, the, the characters were models. Oh, okay, yeah. One of them is uh, Malin Ackerman, actually, is the uh, who plays Karen. Do you know yeah, who that is? she was uh, in Watchmen. Yeah, she, she was in... Too. Yeah, and the final girls in 27 Dresses. She's a uh, dollhouse. She's on Billions. She's been on Billions for 37 episodes. Um, she was in... Uh, she's been in a bunch of stuff, but yeah, she was uh, Silk Spectre in Watchmen. Yeah. Great actress. So in in this episode, uh, everything makes it seem that this body that's found in the park, even though the bones are clean, was there because it was eaten by a snake. There's a lot of chemicals that goes on in, in order to create the idea that this body was eaten by a snake, and it wasn't. Yeah, and a uh, snake is not going to shit out a uh, a snake is not going to shit out a skeleton though. I mean, there's skeletal parts, you know. If you if you picked apart a, the feces of a snake, you'll find skeleton pieces, but but not a whole skeleton though. No, and, and certainly not posed and with hair and a tongue ring. You know, the, <laughs> there's just lots of this murder that is just a little ridiculous. Is this and supposed to be? Is the skeleton supposed to be a metaphor for how skeleton thin models are supposed to be? Quabomch. <laughs> oh, I wish it was that thinly veiled. Okay, yeah, that was a pretty bad joke. And no offense to any model friends I happen to know. I'm just saying that this is the way the episode definitely portrays that model skeleton. Uh, I'm not the writer of the episode, folks. <laughs> Uh, oh, Sarah sees the little girl in the alley eating an orange. Uh, is this the same little girl she sees in the photograph? Yes, that okay. is the same little girl. And the same little girl she sees in the Nazi flashback. Yes. Which she is banging because, of a course, Nazi. Because, has all these memories and, and can pull up different visuals of different places and time. So these are just a, <clears throat> these are just a culmination of what the Witchblade is telling Sarah about herself and about I, I, um, something deeper there. Well, and, obviously and, uh, the Witchblade is not going to go to a Nazi. So it, it had to have been like a Nazi spy or spy for the Allies. That was a female. Or it's like the Russian who had the Witchblade. You know, there was a Russian during World War II who had the Witchblade, at least in the comic books. I don't. We'll get into more of the bears of the Witchblade later on. Um, but, I think uh, this is really saying that um, this woman, who was a British spy that, you know, laid with Nazis, had the witch blade at one time, and for some reason, that person may be related to Sarah. Uh, yeah, like her great-grandmother or something, or, again, all the bearers of the witch blade are related in some weird way. That doesn't necessarily mean it's your great-grandmother or great-aunt. Maybe it was her great-aunt. That would make a little bit more sense than being a grandmother. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, that's the whole point of the Witchblade and Secrets, that you don't entirely know the past about it. Um, Danny visits Sarah, yeah. and everyone thinks he's, she's crazy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have you ever watched Quantum uh, Leap? There's several episodes where Dean, Dean, uh, well, Dean Stockwell, but Sam picks up a phone to talk to uh, Al, so no one thinks he's crazy. He's like, are you making a phone call? No, I'm picking up the phone so nobody looks at me like I'm nuts talking to you. <laughs> yeah, because when you're walking down the street talking to someone who's not there, you know, everyone thinks you're schizophrenic. Yeah, but it is funny that that Sam will run to a pay phone or pick up a phone in the lobby or something, you know, just random phone to make to talk to, to uh, Al, uh, you know, the hologram from the future, so nobody thinks he's crazy. Sarah should do the same thing on her cell phone. I think so, because it shows that everyone can see that she's acting really, really strange. Exactly. Um, Jake takes the hot model out on a date to play pool. And she is super flirty with him. Oh, she wants to totally bang his brains out. And she even makes a point saying that, uh, I think I lost my touch just before Jake gets clonked in the back of the head by uh, the hook man, and then later on she gets kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. It, the the hookman is there just playing pool. I assume watching over Jake and uh, 
you know, Karen. Waiting for his opportunity to steal Karen away. Sarah gets a vision of a conversation, or not a vision, has a memory, has a flashback to a conversation she has with Joe and decides to go through her father's old uh, belongings and comes across a bullet with a black bull on it. And that part has not been explained yet. And unless you watched ahead of time, it's not going to be explained for quite some time. <laughs> uh, I did not watch ahead. I'm, okay. I'm doing this legit. You do not, you cannot watch ahead with this show. Uh, if you're watching it episode by episode, because something happens that is very hard to explain, that it entirely affects season two, um, that I don't want to give away, but it's very cool. But at the time I watched it, I was like, what the hell does that even mean now? It's kind of like one of those five years later things. Not saying there's a time ah. jump, but there's there just, God, it, it really... You know, when when you had to wait a whole year between seasons, like you do with most shows, you know, still even today with our sh- unlimited streaming services everywhere, um, you get to wait almost a year now. Compared to network television, you only had to wait from May till October, September for a new season. Nowadays, with streaming services uh, and shows, episodes costing millions of dollars, you got to wait a year, you know? Yeah, they got to find the money in that budget to warrant the next season, and thankfully it happens with shows like Stranger Things and stuff. But uh, uh, the fact that we're waiting longer between seasons tells you about uh, content being created nowadays on streaming services is much more expensive than it is on network television. Think yeah. about Stranger yeah, Things. Definitely. Think about how long we've waited now for Stranger Things. When was the last season? Uh, that was season three, and that was July. Uh, let's see, July. And there is no announced announcement date yet for season four, other than that it is coming, and they have just started filming. I thought it was scheduled in the fall. Right. What's the date? So, well, yeah, they have All a right. date. Exactly. They sometime in the fall. But still, then okay. So that was season three was July. The fall means most likely October. That's over mm-hmm. a year between seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like, The Flash, Supergirl, Supernatural, whatever shows on network TV, we're only waiting from May to October or September. Oh. Yeah, that's what I'm trying yeah. to say. There's a... We're waiting a lot longer for our content. Um, oh, I'm hoping it's just waiting for good stuff. So, Sarah discovers something... And the model wants to... Okay, I already said that. The model wanted to bang Jake. Okay, that's where her line comes in, by the way. After Just before, when, when she opens the door again for the kidnapper, she she even says, Oh, my God, thank you, Jake. I thought I was losing my touch on <laughs> seducing men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then she gets attacked. Uh, gets- Vicky the Coroner mentions a certain television series which had just had a revival at this time, actually. And which one did she mention? Uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yeah. Which is a, uh, which was, uh, in a revival because, uh, it was on TNT, the same network, by the way, that was airing this show. I wonder if that was a planned crossover mention. I mean, I, I, don't forget, one show is based in reality, the other one's fiction, so they wouldn't be doing a crossover like the way you think, like, 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 like the way the Arrowverse just did. But, again, both shows are on the same channel, so that's probably why one well, mentioned I mean, the other. I mean, like a nod. I mean, like a nod, you know, a nod to that show. Just like in The Walking Dead, uh, season one, uh, Daryl, like, ru- uh, rummages through some drugs, and it's the blue crystal meth, because also the, the station did Breaking Bad as well. So right. while they aren't in the same universe... It's just kind of a nod to the other show. The original Ripley's TV series. Ripley's was founded back in 1918 by uh, Mr. Ripley, Robert Ripley. Now, there was a TV series, a bunch of shorts in the 1960s. There was an ongoing TV series in the 1980s. And then in the early 2000s, when, when Witchblade was on the air, from 2000 to 2003, um, it was hosted by former Superman Dean Cain. Ah. And Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman had just come to TNT after it had just gotten canceled on ABC at least a year prior. 
pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know, see how those things all tie together? You rerun my old show, and I'll host your uh, new little show. So, yeah, D- Dean Cain hosted there for three years. I loved seeing him on that. A lot of Superman fans did. The current incarnation of Ripley is being hosted by Bruce Campbell. Wow. And it's just wrapped its first season this past uh, fall, so I don't know if they're coming back for another season. But, yeah, the most recent revival of Ripley's is hosted by Bruce Campbell. Pretty cool. Yep. I haven't checked it out yet. But, um, uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was funny that Vicky the coroner happens to mention that. And, and she's also very drunk. <laughs> yeah. Well. I mean, I'm surprised Sarah doesn't give her like, a lecture about that, but... Uh, I just, it would have been uh, the pot calling the kettle black when the, the whole reason the show got canceled was because of uh, Yancey oh, Butler's yeah. alcohol problems. <laughs> just point that out. Uh, yeah. You know, it's different. That's later. That's later. That's yeah, that, yeah, that's later. That, 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 only affect, that mainly affects season two. The indications of her substance abuse were seen in season one, but in season two, it's when it really started happening. So, uh, but I digress. I've actually invited somebody on the show. They haven't responded yet, but somebody who runs a very popular YouTube channel has been reviewing every single episode of a certain TV series, which I'm going to bring up the uh, soundtrack right now. Hold on. See if you can figure out what show I'm talking about. Uh, Allison uh, Movie Nights podcast, uh, sorry, YouTube channel has been reviewing every single episode of this famous 90s TV series, which our actor Jake happens to come from. And what heartthrob, busty, pecs and all TV series would that be? Is that Baywatch? Yes. He comes from Baywatch. He was on <laughs> Baywatch for five years. Um, hence the joke about him being a former surfer, pro surfer, turned uh, New York City cop. Ah, so that's where that was from. Yes. And also, look at him. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. You know, he's got the... the you know, beach boy look. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this uh, this woman named Allison uh, has been reviewing every single episode of Baywatch on her YouTube channel, um, <laughs> and as well as Baywatch Nights, which was the David Hasselhoff detective show. Oh, no. Yeah, it is hilarious how she picks the episodes apart. <laughs> <laughs> um, all episodes of Baywatch, by the way, can be found on Amazon Prime in HD. Oh man, I I never watched Baywatch because it was a little too cheesy. So I can just imagine how she ripped it open. Right, right, right. But I invited her to come on the podcast because she's been reviewing every episode, and this was basically what the actor went to after Baywatch. So <laughs> Baywatch was still on at the time this show was airing, too. By the way, because Baywatch ran for like twelve years or something like that. Yeah, it's very popular. Very popular in all the countries. Can't imagine why. I can tell you two. David uh, uh, yeah, I can tell you more than that. It was two reasons on the, uh, uh, and and they were attached to every woman on that show. <laughs> yes, uh, the the Pamela Anderson uh, slow mo running across the beach. Oh, not just Pamela Anderson, just every woman on that show. Of course. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think Yancy Butler was on Baywatch for an episode. She guessed I think she had a, like you know, like a guest lifeguard role. So, uh, but uh, I also get the feeling that. Sarah is trying to set up Vicky with uh, Jake. Yeah. Uh, what gives you that impression? She's, she mentions her to Jake. You know, she's the coroner through the whole show. She's in 16 episodes, so she's a recurring character. Um, but, uh, I don't know, she just kind of points her out to Jake a bunch of times. Yeah, but it, it almost seemed to me that Jake was just not willing to kind of take the jump to ask her out. Because he's intimidated by strong women? Yes. Well, he said that he didn't want to date anyone at work. <laughs> yeah, right, but he totally wants to get into Sarah's pants. But Sarah actually says that she's gay. 
that's in the next episode. That's the next episode. Yeah. Next episode. But that, yeah, but she's not. Uh, <laughs> um, she only does that to test Jake. Okay, I, that, we're gonna get there in a second with the a massive amount of gay, not even subtext, just gay, in the next episode. So Sarah confronts Dominique, who's got the girl. Uh, in uh, her stripped down to her uh, tank top and panties, by the way, very sexy in a pool of snakes. This is, um, I think, this is a typical Saturday night for Mr. Zeneca. Well, my snake isn't that big. My snake is only four feet long. Uh, the snake that's shown in the show is probably about uh, twelve feet. Oh my God, is he really that big? Oh wait, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, so Mr. Zeneca is talking about her pet snake and not her fiancé's snake. Um, I, okay, so for a minute there I thought, okay, is, was Dom, did Medusa wear the witchblade at one point? Or why is she seeing Medusa? I don't get it. Because she has an I obsession with snakes? You know, there was so much kind of conglomerated into, this, into the, these two episodes, because this, these two episodes represent, you know, a, a character arc, so... Um, they're very good to to pair together, but uh, uh, all of the snake references, uh, the picture of um, Kenneth Irons and, and Dominique in uh, some sort of African country, and she's holding a black, uh, you know, python or whatnot. There's all these references that doesn't really give us any meaning behind them, other than she just really loves snakes. Yeah, but Why also is Medusa the the vis- I have no idea. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. And anyone who should be a snake in the grass, it's definitely going to be Kenneth Irons because he's the Lex Luthor of the show. Uh, it seems as though Kenneth Irons is only interested in women who can bear the witchblade. You can't bear the witchblade, you're getting dropped to the curb. I don't know which is yeah. worse, either banging them and leaving them in the middle of, in the morning or you're not powerful enough to wear the mystical gauntlet that can only be worn by a woman, so I want nothing to do with you anymore because I can't control you. Huh. That's um, basically what we're getting here because he was with Dominique. She can't bear the Witchblade. She got obsessed with the Witchblade. It doesn't want her because we learn you can't wear the Witchblade. You, not any woman can wear the Witchblade. And, uh, and it certainly doesn't like posers. Yeah, Kenneth dumps her, and that's why he's now obsessed with Sarah because Dominique was the last person to wear the Witchblade. Question, though. How does the Witchblade get from Dominique to being in that museum uh, in the pilot movie, the made-for-TV movie? I can only assume that because there was some sort of uh, prediction that the Witchblade would find its owner on that day, that he purposefully took it from Dominique and has had it for a while, um, you know, basically withdrawing it from her so that she would be under his control and then put it into the museum so that it could be found. Oh, you think he planted there to find its correct um, the person who's supposed to ha- uh, the person who is supposed to be its rightful bearer? Yes, because uh, I only say that because Ian Nottingham pretty much led her there. Right. Okay. Now I remember that. Yeah. So it, he could be the owner of it because he's so rich. Okay, that's interesting. My only other thought is that he doesn't he didn't know where the witchblade went because the witchblade is its own sentient being. The Witchblade has a mind of its own. It has a consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it teleported itself there. Because it, it does have the ability to teleport. Which we kind of get some signs of on its, this show's very limited budget. So, Yeah. Okay. So, it, Dominique... Well, but I, I definitely think that was a staged setup. Alright, so Dominique gets old real fast. It points out that she doesn't want anything to do with Sarah if she wants the Witchblade. Karen packs up and leaves town, or was that Dominique's apartment that we find at the end of the episode? I think that's Karen's apartment. Okay, so how the hell... They would never be able to keep Dominique in in holding them. They have no witness anymore. True. Unless unless Karen gave her statement when they they rescued her, there's a thing called a trial. You still need your eyewitness. You need the kidnapped victim to stand trial. The, sorry, not be stand trial. You know what I mean. To be a witness at the yeah, trial, yeah. but she's still in holding in the next episode. So we're going to assume that this, the next episode, the gay episode, takes place really after this episode for her to still be in holding. The end of the episode was really strange because they're going through this empty apartment, 
and the music just doesn't quite match the emotional relevance of what they're just seeing. The ru- the reason well hold on the reason for that being is because the music unfortunately for this show had to be replaced due to copyright reasons as is a lot of cases with stuff that goes on to DVD. So that and music was just put there because they had to play music? Unfortunately, there's also not a lot of information about this show online for me to get that from. I have researched this show as much as I possibly can, and there are not a lot exactly Witchblade TV website fan sites out there. And the Witchblade group that I joined on Facebook barely has anyone ever posting, and I still haven't been able to reach anyone at TopCal for comment um, connected to like a lot of things about the show. It's mostly going to have to be like ex- producers and executive producers about why certain things got rearranged for this show. But it it, the, the, it has been stated that the music on this show has been changed um, because of copyright. Same thing that happened like with Charmed and several other shows. Dawson's Creek okay. had that problem. So I think that the reason why the music doesn't match very well is because it wasn't the original broadcasting music. So Got it, got it. But yeah. uh, but that's that's all the notes I have for the episode. It, episode. it ends with them going to the abandoned apartment, which I assume Karen, because they find the photograph left there, which means mm-hmm. they, they – I, I don't know how the legal system works. If your main witness, your kidnapped victim, leaves town before the trial, do you still have a – can you still even prosecute the bad guy? It's Sarah. I, I mean, Sarah is a cop. She's a duly appointed deputy of the police force, so it's her word against the, uh, you know, the um, the accused. So, but there's no witness anymore. Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know. I think the the trial could proceed even if the witness is not there. It's just the not a strong case. Okay. But I, I honestly don't know that. I've got one more note on this episode. Okay. Is that, um, you know, Ian says uh, to Sarah, "Cherchez la femme," and Cherchez la femme means look for the woman, you know, in the literal translation, but it's kind of one of those terms that you use in France to just kind of be dismissive of someone, mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, it's a woman's problem type of, type of thing. It's like, oh, you know, it's just how women are type, type of uh, sentiment to that phrase. So cherchez la femme. And then when it's found out that the young girl was kidnapped, uh, that gets change to Cherchez Jean Fille, which is look for the young woman. And it's not really explained in the episode why he just suddenly speaks French to her, but yeah, there's the translation for everyone. Uh, So uh, we're going to take a quick break and play some promos, and we'll be back with the next episode of Witchblade Diplopia. Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, the Hammer Horror Podcast, part of the Dorkening Network, with hosts Dr. Chris and Ro Lauren. Twice a month, we will talk about a Hammer Horror film, only the horror movies of the Hammer catalog from the Britain studio from the 60s, 70s, and the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Join us as we not only discuss the film's plotline, but also factoids about the different actors, production crew and behind the scenes facts as well as going over any of the information that happens to be on the Blu-rays or DVDs from these fantastic films. We will be covering classic films from Hammer's catalog, Horror of Dracula, Horror of Frankenstein, Brides of Dracula, Prince of Darkness, Dracula Has Risen from the Grave, just to name a few. We will also not be shying away from topics like sex, blood, and abuse towards women that many people may think be too taboo to talk about. Join us again twice a month here on the Dorkening Network and check out the rest of the shows on the Dorkening Network. You can find us at ChrisDSAV on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter at RoLorn, R-O-L-0-R-E-N. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. You take out the trash. I don't have time for that now. We have two podcasts I have to create a new promo for. What? Both JLUcast and Superman? Yes. JLUcast, where you and I discussed the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited animated series from Bruce Timm and Company. And Supermates, our original show where we talk about all sorts of geeky stuff, including our annual House of Frankenstein series on classic horror films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. 
But how do we combine this into one promo? I have no idea, but it sounds like we're doing our original Supermates promo all over again. I kind of think we are, but hey, other folks kind of aped it, so it must have worked. Well, why don't you get to work taking out the trash, and I'll finish up. Great. So join us, Cindy. And Chris. On JLU Cast and Supermates, both proudly part of the Fire & Water Podcast Network, found at fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes. Hello. Okay. Hi. All right. So, yeah, let's both uh, this week take okay. one or two people from mm-hmm. these episodes. It can be even a future episode that's like a guest star for the episode, like Dominique, you know, maybe she's still around and she does interviews like that. But that could have been an interesting because she was in two episodes, you know what I mean? Yeah, the yeah. main stars would be great. Nancy Butler, of course, would be great. I don't have any way of contacting her um, other than, like, you know, paying for, like, IMDb Pro or something. Mm. Okay. okay. All right, here we go. And we're back with the second episode of these two episodes we're covering for Witchblade. Mr. Zeneca has the episode synopsis for us. Episode four, Diplopia. Originally aired June 26, 2001, Sarah and Jake investigate a series of serial murders in the art community in New York. All of the cases somehow seem related to artist Isaac Sullivan, but he has cast iron alibis for all of the murders. Much of the case involves the gay community, and Sarah takes Jake to task over his homophobia. Sarah meets Gabriel Bowman and continues to learn about the history of the Witchblade and the fact that the only one who is chosen can use it. Kenneth Irons interferes with her attempts to gain more knowledge about her past. I wanted to also point out something from the previous episode that we totally overlooked, but only because I live in New England. Uh, Kenneth Irons running in the snow by himself. Kind of unusual to see, you know, just... Very, not very businessman-like, just more casual so kind you of... You don't get a lot of joggers in your neighborhood? Not that are billionaires. Well. <laughs> not yeah. that I'm aware of billionaires. You know, you think he'd have his own private gym or something like that, but he's just jogging in the snow in this suburban neighborhood at the end of the episode. And yes, Ian yeah, is driving... Ian and... and and Ian is driving behind him slowly, of course, because he gets out of the car immediately as soon as Sarah approaches him. I'm like, hey, don't you go after my boss. <laughs> Ian in this episode, once again, ah, man, I, I'm sorry, but if you read, you've been reading the Witchblade comic books. Does this act like the Ian Nottingham in any way, shape, or form that you have been reading? No, not at all. No. What is the Ian Nottingham in the comic books, Mr. Zeneca? Well, he's he's strong. He's a little bit mysterious. He likes her, but he's not like creepy like this. Oh, they totally bang, by the way, in the comics. <laughs> they hook up. They have a serious relationship in the comic books. Okay, I haven't gotten that far. <laughs> okay, what issue are you on? Uh, I am reading through the first trade paperback. Okay, so I'm still on um, the first several issues. By the way, if you go on Kickstarter right now, for anyone listening, you can go to uh, Top Cow's Witchblade Volume 1 Kickstarter, and they are putting together an omnibus of the first 25 issues of Witchblade. I have requested from my comic book vendor uh, to put one of those on hold for me. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if they're going out to stores necessarily, but I'm not, I haven't been following it that closely, mainly because I already own those issues, so I don't need to kickstart the um the top cow project so yeah. but i also found out that the current witchblade series is still going on i thought it was a limited series but they're up to issue 18 of the current bearer of the witchblade who happens to be this uh like well last time i read it she was like this social worker but the witchblade became like this energy kind of wraparound you know it's, it's very very different different than what we're used to but they're still publishing it, so it must be selling. I'm just not reading it because it's not Sarah Pizzini. I'm all for other bearers of the Witchblade, but this just is so different. <laughs> um, more power to the people who are putting it together. I like the writer on it. Caitlin Kittredge wrote a great book called Coffin Hill. It's about a young girl who comes home to her uh, family's estate um, and her um, disabled mother who put her through hell uh, with all sorts of witchcraft and other gothic weird shit, and she has to put mm-hmm. together a um, help solve like a, a murder investigation. She's a cop who was a young cop on the beat, a uh, young cop on the force who caught 
and killed a serial killer, but unfortunately that also got her dismissed from the force because she got uh, badly injured when she caught the guy. Oh, wow. Uh, but it's worth checking out. Unfortunately, it was canceled after like 23, 24 issues, or unless that was what they intended to go for. Uh, it was published through Vertigo Comic Books, but uh, that writer is now currently the writer of Witchblade. Okay, so, cool. Um, but uh, I digress. So, okay, so this episode, <laughs> oh boy, this episode, let me tell you. I know, I, I know. I was not exposed to what gay is in 2002, other than through poetry and knowing that there were gay people out there. I did not kind of get, okay, so when I started going to poetry readings when I was 19 years old, I, that was when I probably first I ever met anyone who was a homosexual openly. Um, I had a roommate that was a lesbian. I had people I got to know who were gay, but I didn't know about like gay culture of anything. You know what I mean? This episode, opening up with the gay nightclub, the gay bondage, the gay jokes, and then the gay man getting killed. I was like, what the hell? Um, you know, I, I love gay culture. <laughs> I really do. Um, I, I don't actually frequent uh, you know, gay clubs because, you know, even though I am bisexual, I, you know, have my own clubs to run. So, um, I appreciate that there is a gay club in this episode. I don't really like Jake's attitude towards anyone that's gay. Right. <laughs> Which Sarah even teases him about, uh, by saying, like, she is gay, but she's not. Um, Sarah Zini has never been written as being gay. I guess there is a lot of amazingly sexy fan art out there with her and Tomb Raider Laura Croft and other women of the Witchblade, you know, effing each other with the Witchblade, morphing into a strap-on, and you can find it all on DeviantArt. But Sarah Pizzini is a straight character. Um, the character Danny, who was the second bearer of the Witchblade within the con- in the in the run of the Witchblade that you are reading right now, uh, she is gay, and uh, she eventually becomes like the Angelus. And uh, Sarah playing it up to Jake or whatever to get his homophobia out there is absolutely hilarious, but she is like insanely offended by his homophobia. Well, I'm insanely offended by his homophobia. <laughs> I gotta admit, I think that's, uh, I think they were writing Jake as the every person into that episode because let's face it, gay culture was not what it was, it is today in that episode. Oh, yeah. This is like, you know, nearly 20 years go by, Seth. So things have changed. But in this episode, Jake actually does manage to go to the gay bar, and he seems comfortable, like too comfortable for the situation, considering all of the stuff that he said in previous scenes. You know, he gets there, he's got an earring in his left ear, and he looks very comfortable at the gay club because he's there to support uh, Sarah, who is wearing a disguise that she didn't need to wear. Oh, she's that wearing, is the, like, the worst disguise ever. mustache, it's just not her color, this wig, it's awful. Absolutely awful. It's so awful. But we get, we'll, we'll get there in a second. Um, I also want to point out, we've had gay subtext on this show. Ian and uh, Kenneth Irons. Yes. Uh, yeah. Father-son, sure. Employee-employee, sure. Probably banging each other? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Top and bottom, yes, of course. <laughs> we also get to meet, finally, my favorite character of the show, which is, is our everyman character, because he's not a cop, and he's not a mystical bearer of some artifact, John Hensley, who plays Gabriel. He is awesome. He runs the website Talus Maniac. So it's a, you know, he, he gives away talismans, or he doesn't give them away, he sells them. Um, but he has all this knowledge about the Witchblade, and uh, ends up wheeling and dealing for the Witchblade <laughs> uh, with a set of drums. <laughs> a cursed set of drums. Um, he runs this website, which, uh, let me see if I'm going to look it up right now. Talismaniac? It's not. Oh, it is not. It's yeah, a forbidden it website. A, what does forbidden mean, by the way? Oh. It, it means it's on a server that you can't access. Does that mean it's the dark web? Uh, no, it means that someone has a private server. <laughs> okay, I thought it was the dark web. Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, it's unfortunately there is no website. Hey, that means it's for, that means it's open. We should start Talismaniac. Isn't this the second show we've covered with uh, cursed objects? <laughs> uh, yes. Gee, what is the Witchblade? What is the Witchblade? What are those drums? What are the shrunken heads that Ian buys? It leaves. It leaves, yeah. He he pays, in essence, uh, $18,000 for a shrunken head that he never takes with him. But, right, but, I'm, but I'm not wrong. This is the second episode we've covered with Cursed Objects. And let's face it, Gabriel's little uh, warehouse of antiques becomes one of the settings for the show till the very end. It's just like Curious Goods. Exactly. Uh, so look for uh, Talismaniac's Curious Goods by Dr. Chris and Mr. Zeneca opening up in 2021. <laughs> uh, don't, right. sue us. don't sue us for, for copyright of the name. Okay, so Joan of Arc uh, appears in Sarah's visions after she... Uh, Sarah has two left. Sarah asks if she's bi. Okay, yeah. So Sarah you know, says she's bi. No, she's asked if she's bi. She's a buyer. Get it? Didn't you get the ah, joke there that so she's a buy? She's bisexual? Because that woman probably wanted to bang Sarah. Um, well, but, she's looking for a guy named Ian Sullivan who has one blue eye and one dark, dark brown eye. Right. Um, who is the guy that the boyfriend walks in on and then gets knocked unconscious, killing his boyfriend. Yeah. And he's just like, really? You're bringing the men back from the club now? Of course, his boyfriend, who gets killed, is in a bathrobe, getting tied up. I'm expecting a threesome to happen between the three of them. That was what I was kind of expecting. The scene that was a little jarring at first, because they're just doing close-ups of eyes and lips, so you don't know who's really talking. And it seems that some of the uh, vocals are dubbed over as well, because it's in the loud club space. Maybe that's an issue with the music copyrights, but... Whatever. Uh, so Sarah's also told that we'll use the Internet. The Internet <laughs> is its infamy, which this is pretty much the that, – that, what she does is 100% correct. Google wasn't in town – it wasn't around yet in, in 2002, but you could use search engines to look up information. Nowadays, everyone uses Google. But, yeah, you could use the Internet for its, for its exact purposes in this episode. Yeah. Um, and so she finds talismaniac.com. Right. But she also finds out information about Joan of Arc, who the Siege of Orleans was the battle that Joan of Arc led um, in 1429. Yes. And so Joan of Arc was also one of the Witchblade Bearers. Correct. From all of the flashbacks that we see. That Nancy Butler happens to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, our villain for the episode, played by Anthony Lemek, Lem- Lemke, uh, was currently on the TV series Dark Matter, which I believe was, uh, is that the J.R.R. Martin sci-fi show? You know, I'm not sure. I've heard of it, but I, I, I have no knowledge on that one. He was also in White House Down. Have you seen that? No. That's the one where Chatting Tatum is the only security guard left alive to protect the President of the United States, played by Jamie Foxx in the White House. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, it's a Roland Emmerich movie. Roland Emmerich is best known for Independence Day, Day After Tomorrow, stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, recently did uh, Midway. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, so Sarah is insanely upset by Jake's homophobia. Um, Jake is just not comfortable with investigating the gay club or uh, calling the guy his lover. All joking aside, yeah. again, uh, seeing gay culture on screen in this context for anybody not exposed to it, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say that I understand uh, being uncomfortable seeing it. However, I just I don't think it's okay when you're out and out just hating it. I no, think if I you've mean, never been exposed what? to gay culture and you've grown up in a society where everyone is straight, mom and dad, man and a woman – but mm-hmm. do not have an exposure to gay culture in any way, does not make you a racist or a homophobe or a sexist or whatever the term is. Being out and out Donald Trump about it, or Mike Pence, yeah, I'm getting political here, uh, <laughs> is not okay. Agreed. Um, but I, think I do a... say that if, if there is a public display of affection between you know, a same-sex couple, even if you haven't been exposed to any sort of gay people, 
you just mind your own fucking business. Keep on walking. But do you <laughs> do you find anything homophobic in what I said? Like, I have no problem going to a gay club. Like, okay, first of all, I wouldn't go to a gay club. I have no really interest to be at a gay club, not being bisexual or gay. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I have gone to clubs where it, it is a openly all-inclusive, you know, event. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and you like, can be, like my events. Yeah, exactly. So fetish events or gothic nightclubs, whatever. I've been around gay couples, and I'm like, okay, nothing. But I'm not going to go to a gay nightclub for no reason. You know what I mean? I've wingmanned somebody, but I did not engage. You know what I mean? I was the Ben Affleck in Chasing Amy. <laughs> I was not hitting on a lesbian, but I was the like, oh, you're gay. <laughs> she's like, yeah, you didn't get that. I'm like, well, I didn't hit on you, and I, so no, I didn't. You didn't. She's like, no, but I wanted you like as a friend to come with me so I could like hit on this girl, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> But, you know, everyone has their own desires. You don't have to conform to anyone else's expectations of you. You can you can be your freaky self if you want to or not. You can be a scoop of vanilla ice cream if you want to, Dr. Chris. Aha, excuse me. I just happen to <laughs> like vanilla ice cream, but uh, I am clearly not vanilla. Uh. <laughs> now, there, there was people of all kinds at my party just this past uh, few days that were in all sorts of configurations that were delightful to watch <laughs> if you come to my parties. <laughs> so Sarah and Jake make out, and Jake's first response to Kiss Me Jake is, but you're a dude. <laughs> yeah, a woman with makeup on and terrible, terrible facial hair. Right. Um, I'm sorry, but Sarah does not make an attractive-looking man in this episode. <laughs> No, it's just a mismatch of colors. Like, the wig is black, the, the sideburns and the goatee mustache are brown. And she looks just terrible. <laughs> terrible. When Sarah visits Emperor Palpatine in his jail cell... Um... <laughs> <laughs> and that's the Dominique, who is, is rapidly aging. Yeah, looks like Emperor Palpatine from Revenge of the Sith when the lightning strikes yep. him. Like, incredibly yep, yep. like Emperor Palpatine. Then she finds out that this dude, this doctor, has impregnated all his women with, uh, all these women that expected their husband's sperm with his sperm. Is that a form of rape? Uh, now, the law, back when this was published, uh, the law was a little murky on that. I don't believe it's considered rape. I believe it might be considered something like um, uh, malpractice. Uh, and then I honestly I don't know the legal statutes now because the um, assisted fertility sector is state by state so the laws will govern it state by state and I know that if a doctor were to attempt that that is completely illegal and unethical however um, uh, however I like how you, I like that, how you did that was only illegal 10 years ago Jesus Christ you know, something like that you know, it, it, it even in certain states, like there is incidences where doctors do this or use the same sperm donor again and again and again, even if it's not the doctor, use the same sperm donor. And then um, certain states have caps on how many donations. But, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. These weren't donations. This was a woman went in with her husband and they can't get pregnant, so they needed an extra little bit of medical science to do it. Yeah. And they wanted her husband's seed in her eggs to create the child that they wanted to create so it's actually their child and not random dude astronaut that is what I think it should be considered illegal and almost technically rape of the ovaries but I don't it's not consensual I don't think it's considered rape because rape is a different definition so right, I, I but think it would be I, I, I'm umbrelling under the term of being raped did you ever see the movie Lights Up? Uh, not Lights Out. What was the movie where the kids break into the blind man's home? It was produced by uh, Sam Raimi, and they uh, they find out that yeah, he's a blind man, but he's got serious military background training and f's them up. Hmm, I'm not familiar with that one. Um, in the movie, uh, the blind man has uh, a woman being held captive who is pregnant. And we come to find out that the woman being held preg- held captive and pregnant 
is the woman that mur- accidentally killed his daughter. Ooh. And she, uh, he impregnated her to replace his daughter. Wow. She gets killed in the firefight trying to get out. So he captures the wo- the female uh, character of the movie, kind of like, I guess, our central main character, cuts open her pants, rips her panties off, takes a turkey baster out of the freezer with his sperm in it and is about to shove it inside her to impregnate her, but she gets away. Well, that wouldn't work either. And he's like, uh, I'm not going to rape you. I'm not disgusting or something like that. <laughs> but that's when he reveals that the woman that gets – that the pregnant woman who got killed – um, in the in, in, that he accidentally he actually is the one who accidentally kills her, um, was carrying his child, and but he she was a drunken idiot who got his daughter killed. Wow. So he took it upon himself for revenge because the courts didn't do anything about it. You killed my daughter, so you're gonna give me a new one. Jeez. How dark of justice is that? Yeah. Doesn't rape her himself. But with a turkey baster filled with his junk. Yeah. This is a I, this is again from the director of the Evil Dead. I'm just reminding you of that. Okay. <laughs> Who, by the way, was recently announced uh, to be the director of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Sam Raimi is returning to uh, films for the first time since the Wizard of Oz prequel. That was terrible. Wow. Also a Disney movie. <laughs> You know, as of uh, last year, you know, there are still doctors that are getting caught for impregnating their patients. Ugh. Yeah. But, um, man, did they make a lot of great pornos about that? They have. <laughs> they Let me examine you. Let me examine you. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I think we need to just spread this open and do all these yeah, things. Yeah, we, we need to give you a shot of uh, special cream. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, doc- doctors to this day, where they're finding uh, DNA tests or recovering, you know, that more children are related to the doctors. So and, Sarah and Jake get captured yeah. by uh, this guy, the 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 the, the mixed colored eyed ar- artist killer, but he's actually a triplet. And in fact, he's more than a triplet. We'll find out later on. And Sarah kills all of them. Isn't she in trouble with IA already for using the Witchblade, which cannot be identified, the metal of the Witchblade cannot be identified on the periodic tables as any known element of metal on Earth, and she just killed three people with it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ah! By the way, this IA investigation does not go away. It's coming back up soon. So, you know, having this mysterious weapon that... You know, you can see all the other weapons around, and none of them are used, all these saws and blades and whatnot, but yet the Witchblade is the one that's actually committing the killing slice. There's evidence everywhere. The Witchblade doesn't clean up its own evidence. You know, this is going to come back to bite her in the ass. Unless Ian Nottingham happens to be working around the corner and is just like, no, don't worry about it, I'll, I'll, I'll burn the body for you. Oh, man. You know, someone's going to be... Uh, you know, miss it, missed like Ian uh, Isaac Sullivan could be missed. You know, the huge artist just goes missing. What does Sarah say to Jake, by the way, earlier in the episode when she barges into the men's lo- men's bathroom? Oh, I didn't write that one down. But you saw, but the exchange between them is like, "Don't worry, Jake. No one's gonna think you're gay talking to a chick." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, who was taking a piss behind them? Who was? I didn't notice who. Danny. Danny? That was Danny in the corner taking a piss behind them. The the ghost Danny? Yeah. I did not see that. Yeah. The, oh I mean, he's, uh, he's not pissing in the corner. He's pissing in the urinal. But yeah, that's Danny. I, I rewatched it four times just because I love the exchange between uh, Sarah and Jake, you know, in the bathroom and her mm-hmm. pointing out his hypocrisy of, 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 of being, you know, homophobe. Uh, but yeah, that's Danny. And then Danny shows up behind Sarah, talking to Dominique or investigating Dominique's return to beauty body as she's dead. Why are we seeing Danny? Every time we've seen Danny, it's because Sarah has seen Danny. Is she sensing him? Because she doesn't turn around and react when he walks away. 
that makes no sense at all whatsoever that we as the audience see Danny, but Sarah does not, and Sarah does not even react to be like, oh, I felt his presence, I turned around. That doesn't make any sense. It, it really doesn't. I noticed Danny there when Dominique is uncovered and she's dead, but yet she's beautiful again. The aging, maybe the Witchblade gave her back her age. Who cares? She's hitting? dead. I don't know. Um, and then Gabriel breaks into Sarah's apartment after, by the way, earlier, uh, he gets a threatening message from Ian to, you know, uh, stop investigating the Witchblade, but uh, doesn't really take it to heart too much because he decides to continue his friendship with Sarah and deliver her the, the drum set once owned by John Bottom. Yes. And uh, I think he's wanting a down payment of some sort, it, probably eventually in the future since he's not going to get the Witchblade? Oh, yeah, he wants a down payment, all right. <laughs> In her vagina. <laughs> Everybody wants to bang Sarah Pizzini. Jake, Gabriel, Ian, Kenneth. Yep. Yep, sorry. It's happened. The whole, like, broodmare. Danny broodmare is probably the only one. Danny is probably the only part. By the way, the mobsters as well, half the villains of the show. Danny is the only person who does not want to fuck Sarah Pizzini because he was married. <laughs> and now he's dead. And now he's dead. Um, but uh, uh, there, is a, there, 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 there is a lucky man who does get to bang Sarah at some point. We will be looking forward to that. Yes, it's just a little ridiculous. It's just like everyone covets this one woman because she has the Witchblade or she's a tough-as-nails cop. It's the part of the show I've never actually enjoyed. It's just like, okay... Somebody else wants to fuck her. I mean... What? And she's the star. So, she's the star. So, you know, everyone is going to want her attention. I know. It just seems a little... What's the word I'm looking for? Badly writ? Yeah, sometimes. Um, but then we learn there is a fourth... Uh, a sibling. Clone. Yeah, fourth... Well, not clone. They're They're quadruplets. Well, if they, they are, well, possibly. Uh, depends on, because they, the word clone was used. Yeah, I don't believe that. I just believe that somebody gave birth to four of them, or four women gave birth to four of them. But they shouldn't be identical like that. If four different women, if one woman did, totally got it. But if four different women gave birth to the same exact looking person, then the clone theory does come into play. So, but uh, I don't know who the artist is on the wall, but I'd lo love to have found out who that artist is that drew Sarah with the Witchblade. Yeah, I, I tried to look up the graffiti artist and the artist for the actual paintings that Isaac Sullivan did, but I could not dig up any info on that. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, that's pretty much it for these notes for this heavily gay episode of Witchblade. Agreed. That's all the notes I have. Um, I think this is the only episode of the show that we deal with the gay uh, community in any capacity, other than the subtext that happens throughout. Yeah, I, I was just very disappointed in Jake. Yeah, but again, I mean, he needs to be that character that's just not used to it, so he's going to have that kind of attitude, you know what I mean? It doesn't affect anyone else on the show other than the people involved in the investigation. Gabriel is not... You know, it's never brought up if Gabriel's a homophobe or not, or Ian, or Kenneth, or Dominique, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> or Sarah's future captain of police force, uh, or Joe. Um, just just Jake, Sarah, and the uh, people involved uh, with the the crime itself. So, um, well, I'll I'll stay tuned to see how it develops. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the notes we have for this episode of the Dead TV Podcast, covering two more episodes of Witchblade. Again, don't forget to check out on Kickstarter Top Cow's Witchblade Omnibus Volume 1 for the first 25 issues of the Witchblade. Also included in that is the Darkness crossover issues. Um, they, this is a republication of the... Uh, of the omnibus they had published before. I don't own it because I own a lot of the individual issues of the Witchblade from this time period, as well as original collected editions. But I do own the omnibus volume one for the darkness, and that contains the first 40 issues of the darkness. Let me tell you, this is like phone book level thick. <laughs> Absolutely amazing artwork in it for the darkness. Um, and in fact, uh, if you are a fan of the darkness and the Witchblade, check out Top Cow's talent contest search. It ends 
uh, in 21 days as they are looking for new artists and writers to come on board to Top Cow. What you have to do is write a 20-page story about the darkness or submit 12 con- uh, sequential pieces of artwork about the darkness. Cool. Everyone that uh, can are huge artists should apply. Yes, I am working on a script, actually, myself. I'm trying to get at least three pages banged out a day. Uh, I'm a little behind, but I'm going to definitely be working on it on my lunch breaks uh, this week at work to bang out a miniature little darkness story. They said, please do not write a story that's setting up other plot lines. Write a self-contained darkness story. So, um, Cool. Yeah. Go to TopCow.com for more information or look up TopCow on Facebook or Twitter for any information about the contest as well as their Kickstarter. Uh, don't forget you can check us out on Twitter at ChristySAV and Elegantly Kinky. And don't forget to go to our Facebook page and click like the Dead TV podcast and leave us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any place else you happen to find this podcast. It's now on other services. I've expanded where we are located. And the rest of the older episodes of the Dead TV podcast can be found on RadioHard.com. And we'll be back in two weeks with more episodes of Witchblade the TV series. Bye. <laughs>